So I'm going to put these aside right now because I want to talk to you about a subject matter that is so vitally important to us. And, and that subject is, what are we becoming? Now, we're living in a time where, well, in our nation, in our lives, in the church, that we need to be asking the question, what are we becoming? Our nation politically is in unrest. Our governmental and social structure is in a massive state of change. And, and it really doesn't surprise me, even our Christian faith is, is being challenged on every side. You know, uh, we're, we're not meeting in a church, but in July 5th, we will be, praise God. But I praise God for the internet because God has put together a marvelous team that we're able to present this gospel to you every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night. And who would have been thinking that we would have been saying hallelujah for the internet? I've also have been reading that we have a new generation of Christians who are rethinking everything that they've been taught in Christianity. It's called deconstruction of your faith. What they're doing is that they are on um, reevaluating everything that they've ever been taught about Christianity, and they're filtering it through a 21st century interpretation of the word. That could be good, that could be bad. My mind just explodes with the very thought of that. And, but that's a whole nother subject on another day. What I'm saying is that the world is in overload. The world is in overdrive. Um, like it or not, when, when we relaunch and after this is all over with, our world is not going to be the same. So what do we do? Well, one is that do we accept whatever is being given to us as our new normal? Or what do we do is that do we just resist anything that is new? Or do we just run and hide? Uh, sometimes we feel like doing that. But well, i got great news for you today. God is the author and he's the finisher of our faith. So the question is, is there any word from the Lord? And the answer is, indeed, there is. Can I hear a shout from you? Hallelujah. Well, have you, have you ever seen a time-lapse um, photography of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly? It is a marvelous transition. Studies tell us that it takes around 14 days. That crawling little caterpillar that barely could go from one leaf to another finds itself on a leaf, and then it begins to build this web, this cocoon around it. And, and once it's done, 12 days pass. On that 12th day, that cocoon begins to become a transparent greenish glob of some sort. And then in the next two days, something marvelous begins to transcend. In fact, what happens is that there is now a magnificent butterfly and with all of its beauty and of all of its color emerges to bear no resemblance of what it once was. We barely could keep our eyes off of that beautiful um, butterfly flying through the air. Now, 
I think that maybe during this season that we may have been in our pre-cocoon state or maybe in a cocoon in our stay-at-home order. And this is what I do believe, is that God is up to something. He is creating something magnificent, something magnificent within our lives. Here's what I pray for each and every one of us during this season that we have been away from gathering together corporately. That I pray to become so much more that you once were through the extraordinary internal work of the Spirit of God. You see, the Bible says that the miraculous inside, well, inside out change that is experienced in every believer is for us to experience. In fact, the very same word to describe that transformation of that caterpillar into a butterfly is used by the Holy Spirit to describe God's work within the church. That word is metamorphosis. And God had you in mind when that word was coming to our attention. See, metamorphosis is the root word is morpho. It means form or nature. Now, it refers to the real inner essence of a person. So when that word is applied to you, what it's saying is that it's the real inner essence of you. It is the real you, the true nature of who you actually are and how that works its way outwardly in our behavior. So what are we becoming? Did you know that that word really is a word that is used to describe Jesus when Paul was explaining that Jesus really didn't come into existence as we all did. Prior to his birth to Mary, he existed eternally. And we knew that because, you know, he is and was and always will be. See, Paul says that Jesus was in a form of morpho of God, meaning that Jesus was in his essence, his very nature, God. Philippians 2.6 says this, who, though uh, he was in the form of God, did not um, count equality with God a thing to be grasped. It's kind of hard to grasp that is he was all man and he was all God at the same time. But take that root word that I did and add that Greek prefix to it. And what it means is to change the essence, uh, essential nature of something or someone. Now, this is the inside work of the Holy Spirit, what he does to bring forth an outward living within us. This is the metamorphosis in God's amazing wonder in the life of a follower of Christ. Because, uh, for Paul, because his society was so confused of everything that was going around him, Paul helped them to get 
a little more specific in what he was saying. And here is where we get that question answered. What are we becoming? Well, we have a lot of thoughts, don't we, on that. Or maybe we just don't have the answers because we don't know what the outcome and all this chaos around us is what it's going to look like. But I know God's word does. So get your pen and paper out. Get your marker out with, for your Bible. Get your heart focused on what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. Um, I, I want to pray right now for or this message because I want you to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, what the Holy Spirit is saying to you as an individual. And, and I did something a little bit different because I normally don't write my, my prayers out, but I wanted to be specific this time. So would you indulge me as I pray this prayer, but I'm reading it to you, but it's really from the heart for God. Holy Spirit, in this emotional charged society, we live in a world that is changing. I know I have a choice. If I'm willing to change and if it's going to be you or the culture of the society that changes me. This morning, I choose you in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, I pray, amen. So be it, Lord, so be it. See, since God changes us from the inside out, what exactly does a Christ-likeness look like on the inside? And how is that eternal work in my life to be seen on the outside. So open your Bibles, would you please, to Ephesians 4, and we're going to be looking through verses 2 through 6. Paul gives us four transformations that he offers us through the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Four transformations that the world needs to see. Well, let me say, the world must see within us in the midst of all this chaos. Four transformations that are the bedrock of a Christ-like walk in Christ, which he desires to work through us outwardly. So that first transformation, the Holy Spirit uh, metamorphosis is this, a Christ-like walk of humility. In that Ephesians 4, 2, we read, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility. Hmm. To walk worthy of that calling. He has called us into a relationship with him. When my son was, was young, I, when he was going out, and I would tell him, now, Tim, uh, watch yourself. Be careful how you act. He goes, oh, Dad, I will. Says, because remember, you carry my name. They're not going to remember Tim. They're going to remember Mr. Ricosi or Reverend Ricosi, and that's his son. So conduct yourself worthy of that name. I want us to conduct ourselves worthy 
of the calling of God in which he has placed in every single one of our lives. I challenge you to think about Jesus, though, without thinking of humility. <laughs> now, humility has framed his character from the very beginning into the very end of his earthly life. And, and how do I actually know that? Well, first of all, <laughs> he was born in a cow pen, in a barn, and he lived a poor life, never served in a public office. He never wrote a book. Well, he, he did author the Bible. Routinely exercised restraint in the presence of stark pride. He washed the feet of the disciples like a slave. And he submitted willingly to the humiliation and the torture of death on the cross. So let me ask you, do you think he lived a life of humility? And he looks at us and he says this. And this is in Matthew 18, 4. Whoever humbles himself like a child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, Jesus frequently used the understanding of um, the trusting um, personality of children as an example. And, and why did he do that? Well, because a child has no power. He is not considered great in this world. He is not strong. He's not self-sufficient. The wonder doesn't, you know, the world doesn't write a book about all of his accomplishments because he just hasn't lived long enough. And, and here, here's what's so wonderful. A child isn't bothered by any of that. It just never has passed his mind of what the world thinks of him. Instead, a child completely trusts in the parents to supply all their needs. I, I always love the idea that when you see that, that infant and you put your hands in front of your face and you go, cover your face up and you go, boo. And what happens, I tell you, <gasps> they get all giggly and smiling. And, and see, in their mind, when you put the, your hands over your face, you disappeared. And, and they depend upon you for absolutely everything, for their food, for their their comfort, their sleeping and waking up, for them changing their diapers. There's just an absolute trust in which they have in you. See, that's exactly the life of humility is, that as Jesus had that absolute trust that he had in his Father, God the Father, is that he just was, well, he wants that in our lives. So you could tell that you're living a life of humility if that you realize that there has been a long period of time that you haven't been thinking about yourself. You see, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the cocoon I want to be in. Why? Because the outcome is a beautiful life of humility. The second transformation is that that holy metamorphosis is a childlike walk of gentleness. There in Ephesians 4 it says, I therefore, 
the presence of the Lord urge you to walk worthy of the calling that you have received with humility and gentleness. It's interesting that term gentleness in the New Testament often is used in dealing to describe a horse that has been broken. That animal is still strong, but it's under the control of someone else. You, you might define the word gentleness as power under control. We could say that humility is expressed by not insisting on our rights, not being easily offended, and not holding grudges. See, again, Jesus comes to mind when I think of all that. When, when the mob came to arrest him within the garden, he could have called a legion of angels, but he didn't. When Pilate was in his face, Jesus remained silent. When his accusers, they perjured themselves, he could have crushed them, but he did not object. Now tell me, was Jesus' display of restraint really just weakness? I really don't think so. See, he held back because he was strong. He had nothing to prove, no one to impress. With the power of the Holy Spirit, he used it to bring the world into being at his disposal because he wanted to touch the world through the gentleness of his life. He trusted in his father's timing. James 3.13 reminds us the of the value of that virtue. It says, who was wise and understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct and wisdom's gentleness. In the Bible, the word gentle is often translated as meek. Being meek is probably not something that most people really aspire to. In our way of thinking, meekness not only sounds like weakness, the two words mean virtually the same thing, but the true gentleness resembles strength, not weakness. See, gentle people have the potential to be rude, to be proud, but they have deliberately decided to behave, well, not to behave that way. They have intentionally chosen gentleness. That actually takes more strength than it does to treat others harshly. Unleashing our anger, no. Well, it's usually much easier than restraining ourselves. So meekness is hardly weakness. A, de a decision not to retaliate may look like inaction, but it's the action of humility and gentleness at work. So what appears to be the lack of, of assertiveness it is a robust spiritual act. In his book, Grace for the Moment, Max Licato offers a pledge that, would, that could make well, all the difference in our lives. And I'm telling you, when, when I read this to you, it's a... Uh, 
It's a pledge that is not easily lived out. And it only could be lived out through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, through that humble and gentle ways that he does. So listen to this. Nothing, nothing is won by force. I choose to be gentle. If I raise my voice, may it be only in praise. If I clench my fist, may it be only in prayer. If I make a demand, may it be only of myself. See, those words convey how demanding it could be in choosing gentleness. It's not weakness, my friend. But we can do that because we have experienced that gentle, merciful touch of God. We could trust that he will abundantly provide that strength that we need to live that life of humility and of gentleness. You see, that meekness is greater than weakness. And the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the cocoon I want to be in because the outcome is a beautiful life of gentleness. I, I'm going to bring this service to a close here. There's two more transformations I'm going to share with you next week. It's on patience and the acceptance of others. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's going to be a study in itself, isn't it? Because we don't live in a very patient world and we surely aren't accepting each other in a Christ-like manner. But I believe, my friend, is that what are we becoming is a work of the Holy Spirit that is in us. He wants us to live that life of humility. He wants us to live a life that is gentle. In the chaotic, emotional state of which our society is in, Maybe the world needs to see not what's coming out of the White House or what's not coming out of our local government or what's not coming out of our, our, um, our society, but what is being lived out in the followers of Christ in the church. I have always said is that for us followers of Christ, the issue is not what's happening in the White House or in the State House, but what is happening in God's house. This is the season. There's no better time than this when we are followers of Jesus Christ to allow that metamorphosis of God's Holy Spirit in our lives to be transforming us into that Christ's likeness walk. And it only can be done by the work of the Spirit within us. And it only can be done by our will of choosing. I can't do it with a list of to-dos. It is a work of the Spirit. And the beauty of this is that it is perfected in the dailiness of our interaction in the world that we live in. 
we don't get our act together. We get our degree in, in, in humility and our degree in um, gentleness. And now I could live it with perfection. What we do is that it is a process. It is that sanctifying work in which he has done and doing in our lives. One day at a time. So could I pray for you? Can I pray that that metamorphous work of the Holy Spirit, that transforming work of his humility and gentleness in your life would be seen, would be felt, would be experienced by you, your family, and the world around you. Because that's who he wants us to be.